Hey everyone, and welcome to the Irenic Ref Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gross, and the word Irenic means aimed at or aiming towards peace. And my goal with this podcast is to try to create a bridge between coaches and officials by showing the humanity of each other in a more robust way, which isn't necessarily achievable in the minimal interactions a coach and official may experience during a game. With all that said, let's get to it. Today's guest has been officiating basketball for 27 years and football for 18 years. He's officiated 10 state tournaments, two state championship games, six semifinal games, multiple region championships, and SD16 contests. Has officiated 16 years at the Lakota National Invitational, the LNI, and officiated one championship games at that tournament. He also received his 25 years of officiating award in the 2021 to 2022 season. He has been a college basketball official since 2016 and officiating in the RMAC, the NSIC, and JUCO conferences, and was selected as a, an official for the JUCO regional tournament as well. He is one of three South Dakota officials to have officiated at all six state basketball tournaments. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Royce Wurzer. Royce, uh, good to see you. Good to have you on the show today. It's great to see you again, Andrew, and I'm pretty excited about this experience. Yeah, absolutely. And first off, I got to say, um, let's let's talk about, even though this is more of a basketball-geared um, podcast, we, we got to talk about um, something you, you told me. In your, in your first ever football game, uh, there's a lot of things that happened behind the scenes and that got you to that point, but there's a lot of things that also happened in that game and I just want you to start from the beginning tell me how you got into football officiating and the first game that you ever did uh yeah that's that's an interesting story so um it was I'm trying to think the year again um I was getting ready for the season and a good friend of mine Randy Stanton gives me a call been reffing basketball with him for several years and says hey I need two guys in my crew um football starts in two weeks and um I want you on my crew and I explained to him, um, I never played football, don't understand the game. He goes, it's just like basketball. You'll be fine. Um, the books are on their way. I already got you registered, stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, you know, next day and start reading through them. I'm like, I'm 100% lost and confused with the football rules. Um, it's not as easy as he said. And then he reminded me also that I had to pass the closed book test um, in three weeks also. So I was a little panicked. Uh, with those things, but um, worked hard in the book, read the book over and over and over again, trying to understand things. He threw me at the back judge. He says, it's really easy back there. And I'm hey, what's our first game? And he goes, ah, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be a really good game. Nothing to worry about. So he finally, about that Wednesday before the game goes, oh, by the way, we're working the Sturgis-Stevens game. Um, and if Sturgis is three, well, Sturgis is three losses away from setting a national record. So they think this is their shot to break their 79-game uh, losing streak. You could be a part of that. And ESPN is going to be there. They're talking like six or 7,000 people that are going to attend. Um, so it's going to be a big game. So I get super, super nervous for it. Um, I'm already really nervous trying to understand football and all those things. So we, we get to the game. Um, to be honest with you, I don't hardly remember anything from the game. I remember him getting after me 
to not throw my flag. So the atmosphere was crazy. It was loud, super close game. It came down to, if I remember correctly, a two-point um, conversion to tie the game. Stevens didn't, and uh, Sturgis ends up getting the ball back and ends up um, running, out, running out the clock and breaking their losing streak. Uh, mass chaos happens. ESPN cameras come running on the field. The crowd runs onto the field. You know, a couple other guys in the crew got knocked down, and um, it was an amazing experience for my first football game. So I, it's one I'll never forget. Yeah, that's uh... – I, I don't know too many people who've had ESPN uh, at the game that have had 6,000 people in attendance. I mean, you might get close to that in some of the state tournament for basketball games, uh, but not for a regular season football or regular season basketball game. That just is, is somewhat um, unheard of. But just to follow up with that, have you ever had a game, a basketball game, that's been similar, not with the ESPN necessarily, but just kind of like, 6,000 or just kind of craziness all around you? Um, you know, the LNI tournament is that way. Um, and if people haven't been out here. I mean, I've done games at the LNI. And um, it's just, it's packed. I mean, especially when we're the old Barnett Center, um, people would be sitting everywhere. And you can't, you can't hear your whistle at times because it's so loud. Um, and it's an amazing experience. And, you know, a couple of years ago when I worked the, the championship game, it was the same way. I don't know. If, there might have been a few open seats, but it was jam-packed, loud. Um, it, it's just that that feeling you get about being a part of the game like that, but how exhausted you are from the emotions that go through the game, too. So, I mean, I've had several experiences. You know, even like last year um, at the AA Girls uh, Championship game, it was a packed gym at the Pentagon. Um, everybody was in there. I don't know if there wasn't an open seat, and it was it was loud and just, just a blast to, to be a part of you just never forget yeah um I, I don't really know if i've ever had something quite like that yet but even even last year out at the double a boys the the crowds were bigger than i was anticipating and uh but that that facility out there is great the monument out there uh have you worked any games out there um in the monument yeah yeah, yeah, no, I've worked. We get to work quite a few games in there. You know, like with the LNI, we actually have three basketball courts going on um, in the monument. So we have the main gym, and then right next to the Barnett, um, the old Barnett, we still do some games in there. And then we have the ice uh, arena also that they have a court in. So, so there's three game, uh, three games going on at every time, all the time. It, it's pretty interesting that you can bounce from game to game and see all these different teams, stuff like that. So. So we, you know, every year we get to be in, in that, in that atmosphere. So I think that's the fun part and everybody around the state wants to come to be a part of that because of that, those things. But I haven't got to work a state tournament ever out here in the Black Hills. I've always had to travel. So yeah. I've never had the experience of actually being home to, to work a state tournament and just to see what that would be like. I have more friends and family around, um, would be exciting, but it, it's always fun to travel around the state and get to work in all the different gyms. Um, so, I mean, the monument is, is one of my favorites, but the Pentagon is just an amazing facility to work in. And I know you guys get to work in that quite a bit and it, it's fun to be a part of those, those facilities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, the Pentagon is one of those unique ones and it's, it's super fun to be in there. The, the fact that there's only like, I want to say like, what is it? 3,500 that can fit in there is kind of limiting, but then it creates that awesome environment as well. And so it's 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 really fun to be in that sort of environment even if it's not the 12,000 it's still a packed gym and the and the atmosphere is great 
And but you, you mentioned a little bit of family, you know, wishing that they had been able to see you out at you know when you officiated. But tell me more about your family. Give me give me a little personal introduction. Tell me about your family. Um, tell me about you know where you grew up, what schools you went to, things like that. Okay, yeah, we'll start with my family first. Um, so I've been married to my wife Jessica for 23 years now. Um, just it's it's been fun. Uh, she's been a super supporter of my officiating. Um, I was doing it before we start uh, even, so she's been a part of it. Um, used to travel to games with me all the time. Uh, she struggled with um, having people yell at me. I know at one time she approached some people in the Corn Palace during Mitchell here on boys game and um, kind of reminded them that that's my boy. Well, I was a fiance at the time, actually, uh, was working the game and kind of quieted everybody down around the area. But um, no, good support system like my wife at home, it, it would make it really, really tough to be an official because we are gone a lot. But um, so she's a teacher at uh, Stevens High School um, and she's in special education and um, loves her job. And I'm very proud of what she does in the school. Uh, then I have my daughter, Haley. Uh, she is 20 and she's in nursing school right now through South Dakota State um, out here in the Black Hills in the middle of, of doing that. And then my son, uh, Tucker, is 16, and he's a junior at Stevens. And um, it's been fun to watch those guys grow and, and see them involved with all the things that they do. But they do not want to be an official. They've been very clear with me about those things, that they're not going to become an official. So um, they don't want, want to do any of those things. But i um, so proud of everything that they do. But um, I grew up in Parkston from high school in 1996. Uh, and I'm lucky to have um, two great officials back there that kind of got me started in things. And we'll get into those guys eventually, but um, ended up at the University of South Dakota, uh, where I ran cross country and track. And then I actually got started in refereeing there a little bit. Um, we weren't allowed to play on the the uh, basketball league there. Cross country coach was worried about us getting hurt, so we weren't allowed to play basketball. So they, they said, hey, can you guys come referee a few games? So you know, I don't know how many times I was chased around by frat boys because they didn't like our calls, things like that. But um, so I got the got, got the taste of officiating back then. But um, after graduating from the University of South Dakota, I actually moved back to my hometown to work at the hospital. And moved back, uh, Buck Timmons and Bob Malloy gave me a call and said, hey, you're going to ref basketball. And nothing I had thought about doing or anything like that, but um, they're – great mentors of mine. They both got me into running, uh, coaching, and officiating. So I, I blame them for all my um, hobbies that I have uh, that, that I do. So, But it, it was fun to have those guys get me started, help me grow, and, and fall in love with officiating. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned running. You mentioned um, officiating. Any other hobbies that you have? Well, yeah, you know, coaching, uh, cross-country track are, are, are big things that take up a lot of my time. But, uh, you know, I, I do run. Uh, I try to run as much as I can. I don't run like I did in college. But um, kind of getting back and trying to get focused on um, be able to compete again. Now I turned 50, I want to get back on the track and, and do some racing there. But um, I, I don't hunt like I used to. I used to be a big hunter, um, spend a lot of time with that. But with all these hobbies between officiating basketball and coaching cross country makes it pretty tough and now i started my own company where we're doing um, endurance testing on athletes added another layer to to everything so those things are taking up a little bit more of my time but i always find time to get my runs in and and then my officiating too yeah i feel like as an official there's a there's we don't want an empty space to like exist in our lives right we just, we just want to keep going and doing things 
Um, at least I don't know. That's not really true, but it seems like it. Does it seem that way for you? You think? Well, you look at most officials. Um, they're involved with so many things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's where we were in high school because all of us. I, I don't know of an official that's not a former athlete in high school, and I think we were so involved. It's a normal thing for us is to be involved with all kinds of different things because we were so active in high school it was just that was normal and um different to be honest with you yeah absolutely and and i completely agree and it's it's one of those things where in a sense it's like i want to give back to the the sports and the um you know the people that gave me the opportunity to play those things but then you have the side like me where it's like, oh, I'm going to prove how, how terrible those officials were by becoming a better official and quickly realizing how not good of an official I was my first few years. I, I don't know if you felt that same way. Maybe just because you were thrown into it. And maybe we can talk about that too. Not really thrown into it, but really highly encouraged by some people. So yeah, tell me, tell me how you got started, the people that influenced you. You kind of alluded to some of them back in your hometown of Parkston. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and tell us more about that. Well, yeah, like, like I said, Buck Timmons and Bob Malloy, they told me, hey, what, this is what we're going to do. You're going to work the, the JV games with us. Each one of us will work a half, and then you have to sit and watch a varsity game, and you have to take notes, and you have to have questions for the ride home. So, I mean, they really got me focused on getting into the book and learning the rules and understanding what they're doing. But it was a lot of talking back and forth, like, okay, I, I you had this play. You had to drive to the basket. Um, you know, it was a tough, what were you thinking? And they would take me through their thought process, um, of what they did. So it was a great learning experience where so many times we're thrown in, you know, and do fourth and fifth grade basketball or something like that. Here I had an opportunity to have good basketball with good officials. And I think that really kickstarted me to, to like it and really fall in love with it. I don't, if I think I went the other route, I think it would have been easy for me to, to give it or really got hooked. So I, I think that's what we talk about a lot out here with our, our association, the Black Hills, is how do we get them hooked? You know, get them in the right situations and um, so that they have success early and then they can grow. So I know a lot of us step down and do freshman games. I'll even go and do some fifth and sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade basketball or whatever to work with some younger officials to help them to, to grow the game. Because it is, it's, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot going on. And at first... It, it, everybody seems like they're going 100 mile an hour, and um, you watch a game film. Uh, didn't look that fast. It doesn't look that fast, but it it is. And and the more time we get into it, the 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 better we get at it. But it it is hard. Um, and and I, you know, football I say is so hard. We got time to make a decision. There's so much that happens after that. We throw that flag or we don't throw that flag um, to figure out. So. I mean, I love about basketball is is you make a decision and you move on. Football, there, there's a little bit more time to think and, uh, you know, go through things. And I, I think I make more mistakes in football just because I have too much time to think. Where basketball, it's just boom, let's move on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, you talked about the, the sort of the, the, them bringing you along and hanging out and listening to them as they talked about the, the different um, plays, things like that. Is there... I know in the state of South Dakota, we kind of have this mentor program that we've kind of tried to institute, and I don't know how well that's been operating. I think it's doing really well for, for at where it's at, uh, the level that it's at right now. Um, you, you kind of mentioned officiating with some people, at whether that's fifth and sixth grade, freshman games. Is there is there something that you do personally to help along um, newer officials? I want to use that word rather than younger. Newer officials that are yeah. um, are trying to get into this. 
it, is it is it mostly just those games with the freshmen in the fifth and sixth grade, or do you do other things as well, as well as the association, the Black Hills Association out there? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that I try to help out. Um, I love sitting down and talking with officials. So um, we have a couple newer officials that are just moved back to the area, former college athletes. And we just sat down and talked for like 45 minutes about officiating, what it entails, things like that, and just reminding them. It, it's so similar to what they did in college with film. You got the study, you got the preparation, all these different things. It's so much fun to keep that going. So we, we sat and talked about that. And then, you know, we start talking about so, like specific plays. Where do I stand when this happens? Things like that. And then, you know, there's a lot of times that we do some film study out here too, where we'll get a group together, like on a Zoom call and watch a few plays and walk through what we're looking for, how to stand in the right spots and how to make those decisions when we have to. But I think it's just getting them to understand, understanding the positioning and all those different things. But I love like taking guys up to faith. It, it's one of my, my favorite trips. It's a two hour trip um, one way, but taking new officials up there and we get to talk basketball for four hours in the car. Um, on the way up, just, you know, we'll pull talk about casebook plays and how we would handle them or scenarios or different things like that. And I think it, it's so much fun to me to sit and talk about the game. Um, what I've learned um, over the years, situations that I've had, how I've handled them wrong, how I've handled them correctly, all those different things. So I think there's a lot of different ways of doing it. But the time we get up there, they're they're ready to officiate. And then, you know, it's one that I don't have to worry about them. The fans are great. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a good spot to get them to get out there on the court, make decisions, and then not have to worry about repercussions or anything like that, where they can just go, call it, like we always say, call balls and strikes, and, and I can take care of all the the administrative things and they can kind of get that feel for the game. So I think it's getting them in, again, like I said, getting some success and then they get hooked and then they want to keep growing and, and getting better. It, it's fun. Um, I would say 2016 or 2015, I got to take D'Amico Rodriguez to his first state tournament game. Um, and actually I got him started in officiating. So it was fun to be there with him um, through that whole process, watch the nerves that it brought back the excitement for me too. So it's when, when you get, all the way through those steps um, from where we started to those trips to faith or or up to Harding County or up to Bison and we talk about these long trips but um, and now I get to see them doing that now he's in college also with me so it, it, it's fun to see those things and, and know that you had an impact on somebody yeah absolutely and, you, and you're talking about the experiences driving two hours in a car uh, and we talked about how us on the eastern side of the state are a little more uh, a little luckier. We we can drive 30 minutes and be home by 9:30. You guys, maybe sometimes have to drive two hours, be home by midnight, midnight 30, and then have to get up in the morning and work. But speaking of those types of things, what are some experiences that you know you've had with officiating? Some fun ones, um, mostly just some fun ones. How about that? Some fun experiences you've had with other officials or just games. Uh, there's been so many. Uh great experiences and, and fun things um you know one of my favorite stories and i tell this all the time and larry stevens is probably going to kill me for saying this but um i think edgemont larry stevens and i went to ref a game in edgemont i was i just moved out to the black hills um long and we're doing two person so we walk in the gym and the ad meets us there you know shakes our hand i introduce myself first time meeting him and larry goes to the ad i'm gonna need two hot dogs at halftime I turn and look at Larry like, I, I don't eat at halftime. He goes, 
they're not for you. Um, and I started just, laughing. And at halftime, he ate two hot dogs and went back on the court, and away we went. So I uh, tease Larry about that. Then another time, he won a cake, and we ate the cake on the way home from a game. So um, those are fun experiences. But, um, you know, there, there's, you know, to be honest with you, is when you walk in a gym and a kid comes running up to you say, hey, Royce, it's great to see you today. I was hoping that I'd get you on my game. And, um, you know, those are experiences that really mean something. You know you're making an impact. They, they remember your name. Um, they're excited to see you. Um, they want to have conversations with you. You know, you get invited to their graduations. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, you, you show up at, and spend an hour and a half um, in their home gym or wherever they're at. And um, they become friends of yours yeah. a while because you get to see them so often. So I think those experiences are, um, you know, we did some summer league this summer and I end up working one of those teams from the summer league for football. And they all talked to me about how, the rest of their summer, how school was going. Um, those are experiences I don't forget um, and outweigh everything that happens. But, um, you know, I go back to one of my, my first state tournament game ever um, was Mitchell um, here on boys and um, nervous as all get out. Um, I had worked that game several different times. Um, good friends with Gary Munson actually ran for his son in college. So, so I had kn- known him for a while and then had Budenhagen on the other side <laughs> and got to know him pretty well too. And um, super nervous. And they both were giving me grief all day long because they saw so they saw me and, and things like that. And um, both of them came up to me before the game and go, hey, don't worry about it. Um, and, and they were great the whole time. Um, the, the game over, went into overtime. I, a kid made a half-court shot to send it to overtime. And um, Amy and I, I can feel, still feel that, that game, just the atmosphere. It was in the old Sioux Falls Arena. Um, it was packed because um, everybody traveled from Mitchell and Huron. Those, I mean, it was amazing the game and it's one of those i did it with jimmy ricketts jr and Dwayne fiala and um yeah I, I can remember all that stuff and just how i felt all those days and that that's an experience that that sticks with you um for a long time yeah it's it's fun to think about some of those those first that you've you know that you've had in that whether it's the first game you did uh working even working with like you said your mentors whether it's like a bob malloy which Man, it's it's so fun to work with him because he's so encouraging, but then he also gives pointers here and there for you. Um, but he's also super humble in the sense of saying, "Man, I I probably missed that call too." And it, it's fun seeing um, you know those people, and but also getting the advice from them, learning from them, and even like you were talking about with coaches, how you know you know them, you can interact with them, you can have a good time with them, and and, and knowing the ones that. You know, when they say something, you got to listen <laughs> and, and making sure that, yeah. that you're, you're giving them the ear in that situation. But you know, I, I just want to speak about a time. I went out to uh, Rapid City, and I think it was Rapid, and you were there. You were a clinician for this Black Hills uh, Association. I don't know if it was the third year running camp, and I just remember you being out there. And right on the sideline, you're giving these critiques to me. You're like, hey, take a step down. Hey find the next defender, find the person that's going to hurt you. And I just want to say, like, I appreciated that because that was an experience that um, I, I continue to remember to this day. It's like, hey, who's this next defender that's going to hurt me? What position am I standing? Am I getting an open view? Which seems like it should be something simple as an official to understand, but you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I didn't even know about this. Oh, I should 
probably be looking at a defender instead of an offensive player. Like just <laughs> different things like that. And so first off, I just wanted to, you know, in that regard, shout out to you for giving me that uh, criticism, but also um, teaching moment to then help me. And, and a big shout out again to the Black Hills Association out there for what they're doing to help train um, officials, younger officials, or even some, um, I wouldn't say necessarily newer, but even middle of the road guys that came out for the first time and said, wow, that was an experience that I, I will take back and the things that I've learned from that. So I, there, I don't know if there's anything that needs to be responded to that, but I just wanted to thank you for that and, and what you did, um, to help me along no, with it, my it, fishing career. Yeah, no, that was interesting. I remember you and I talking about it at the state tournament here uh, last year. Yeah. And, um, and it brought back all those memories. And, and I think that's the big thing about this is, you know, is when we talk about this in the coaching world all the time, none of the stuff that I, I'm, I'm teaching or using is any of my original stuff. It's stuff that I've stolen from, stole from all these different people um, and all the great experiences that I've had. And, and it's taking the good and um taking the bad also but it's it's figuring out how does it fit into my game because mm -hmm. um, we're all different i'm not a, i'm not a jeff schroeder i mean um but i'm not him i can't do some of the things that he can but i try to take find the things that he does that i really like that fits my game yep and i think that's what i was looking at you you and i are so similar in how we move body type and stuff like that that i you know i was thinking okay these are some tips that i think that might help you yep. just because we're so similar and um and i think that's what i try to look at is like now that's a little bit shorter say maybe i talk to them a little different because i gotta get their perspective and try to give them tips that they're gonna be more, a little more helpful than like having to weed them out like ah this doesn't work for me but i think that's the big thing is saying that hey this is what i do i don't know if this will work for you but um uh i'm trying to think of dave hall is his name uh i went down to his basketball camp in denver and he, you know, he told me that and, and that stuck with me. He says, this is how I do things. I can't say the words that he said yeah. because how he talks to coaches stuff like that. He goes, Royce, that's not you. Yep. Figure out what, what, well, who are you and use that. But you can take what I do and now put it into your words. And I, I think that's what it is. It's just, can we challenge somebody to think? And are you willing to listen? I think that's what we hear from our state coordinators, from our region coordinators, from our observers, all that stuff, are are you willing to listen? You may not like what somebody's saying to you, but do you listen to them and kind of understand where they're coming from? Because again, they're trying to challenge our thinking. Um, not as much as telling us what to do, but challenge our thinking, challenge us, are we in the right spot? Are we thinking the right way? Are our situations correctly? So I think that's kind of how I approach things and how I look at them. So, so I think when I'm teaching, I try to do that the same way. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's it's very helpful to even even if you weren't saying something, you then ask a question like, what were you what were you looking at here? And, and I think that helps because then I have to or anyone else you're helping has to say, OK, what was I looking at here and how how was that making me better or, or how could I improve from that situation? And I think that's, that's such a, a key thing, especially nowadays, if we're, I feel like. I don't know if it's true that in the past it's been that way. I don't think it has just based on my interview with Jeff like earlier, but um, you know, I, I think a lot of officials help in the way is like asking questions, help people come to the realization rather than just telling them how to do something and how it should be. I think those are the times that we start losing people rather than letting them come to the realization of how they can become better. Would you agree with that? 
Well, I, I do. I think that's when I first got in this position where people are all also coming to me, asking questions where I was in the person, you know, trying to get all the information now I have to start giving. I think I was too eager to tell them what they were doing wrong instead of like, hey, let's talk this through. And, you know, I, I've gotten better sometimes. I I don't pose the questions the right way, but I, I think is just trying to challenge again. Okay, take me through what you were doing on this play. Help me understand what you were doing so that we can talk about it. And like, okay, this is how I would handle it if I was in your spot, standing in your position. Um, and I, I think way uh, because it is. It's if if somebody comes at you right away, you close down. Mm-hmm. And um, do you hear anything that they say after that? So I, I think it's it's when we could do some questioning and things like that. But I think that all comes sets up and how we communicate before we even get to the court. If the communication is done right, stuff like that, now it opens things up. And how do we handle pregame? Or is it just one person up there or is it the group um, that's doing it? I think all those different things lead to our success on the court. And um, us be, figuring out how a group of people that, you know, like you and I, we see each other maybe, what, once every few years. Yeah. But we got to step on the court and look like we, we ref together every night is how do we get connected? And that's what I love about the college game. We spend an hour in the locker room getting connected. Yep. Uh, we have that opportunity to, to kind of get prepared because we usually come from three different directions. We don't ride together. And we got to figure that out pretty quickly. Um, but I, I think it, it's those things. It's, are, are you a good listener or, you know, you know, get to understand those. And I love looking at plays, especially in like the college, I bring my computer along and open up a play and say, how would you officiate this? Mm-hmm. And now I understand that person and expects for me or her has for me and, um, how we're going to handle these situations. So, I mean, I think that brings us together really, really quickly. So things like that, um, I like to do. Um, and again, I stole that from other people, so it's none of my ideas, but um, we're going to some, some great camps. I went down to Marla Den- Denham's camp down in Phoenix, and we had NBA officials there and Final Four National Championship officials. Um, just to listen to those guys talk, it, you, you just sit there. You don't talk. You just listen, and you learn so much, and you can absorb so many different things. And wrote a lot of notes and, and sold a lot of things that I could bring back and, and use because it doesn't matter the level. What we're doing is all the same thing. It's just a few mechanics difference and a few rules differences. But everything kind of is the same. So it doesn't matter if you're doing fourth grade or you're doing the end. In the end, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I it's it's crazy how I, I don't know who I was talking to, but they said in this game a foul is a foul. I think it was Pete Entringer actually. He's like a foul is a foul. Still, we're still calling the same game. Doesn't matter the level. Right. And um, but but yeah the. The interactions we have with, you know, other officials, the interactions that we've had, um, you know, have made uh, basketball fishing really memorable for me and, and just more of the interactions I have continue to make those memorable. And, and, you know, you talked about, we talked about that camp that I went out to. We talked about another official getting a few hot dogs. Is there any other memorable um, interactions you've had with another official that you'd like to talk about? I mean, key of them, um, you know, that's what I love about traveling around the state. I mean, you know, I, I look at a Chad D. Young. He and I have become super close friends over the years, and we live at opposite ends of the state. But, you know, we got to work a state tournament together in Sioux Falls at the A-Boys, and something, we just started talking, and we just kind of clicked, and we, we exchanged numbers right away, and um, we're always kind of there for each other. 
um, when we need somebody to talk with. We had a bad game or had a rough play, and we help each other kind of get refocus and, and remember what's important. But, you know, you can go down the laundry list of, of people like that. You know, um, there's a Dave Dolan out here that, you know, he and I became good friends because we coached together, but then we ref so many games together. And, and a Mike Kirk could be, you know, those guys become like father figures to you. To be honest with you, they're a few years older, but, um, you know, they always have your back when you need them. And I, I think that's what happens in this world of officiating. Um, I have friends from officiating that I know if we never officiated a game together, we would never have met, never be friends. Because we come from so such different worlds. But because of officiating, we had this common bond. We instantly become friends. I don't know of an official that I've ever met and ever worked with that hasn't become a friend right away. And um, because, uh, you know, we're in this together, it, it's a tough thing that we do, but for some reason, we it's easy to become friends with an official. And, uh, you know, Randy Stanton has been a huge um, mentor of mine out here, and I know talk about, he talks about this. What happens when I retire? You know, all my friends are officials. What, who am I going to hang out with? What am I going to do? And we've already said, we'll come pick you up. We'll take you there. Well, he's gotten involved on the basketball side since he's retired. So he's going to be observing and he's helping with our assigning out here, but we all find ways to stay connected. Um, if we're an active observer, um, if we're going to the gym and just helps um, different things like that, or just having phone calls or reviewing plays, um, you know, like Larry Stevens, he's been out of officiating. I want to say 12, 13 years now, still comes and gives me pointers and still helps me to grow. So those experiences um, mean the world to you to have people like that. And, and, and those friendships around the state. So that's why I that's love to travel, pop into weird gyms, and see what ADs uh, say when they're up in Aberdeen working a basketball game. Yeah. So it kind of freaks them out a little bit. <laughs> and is is that something like uh, work brings you over here, or sometimes you're just like, hey, I would I would like to get a game at the Parkston Classic at a at a 10 a.m. on a Saturday early in November. Like, is that a work thing, or is that you just you're just enjoying that? experiences you know i do have a goal to be honest with you um someday of working in every gym in south dakota okay i mean i've got a big chunk of them done um i, de I definitely have to go spend some time up in the aberdeen area and up around mobridge um to work a bunch of areas up there but i don't know it's just fun to experience the different gyms the different atmospheres um you know i just there's so many different gyms that i've been and done but it just it's fun working with other guys um because, I mean, we do, we, we have, I think, 90 officials in the Black Hills. But, you know, you kind of work with the same guys over and over again. It, it is kind of fun to see other guys. But, um, like, for me, going back to Parks and Classic, it, it holds a special place for me. Obviously, being from Parks and being part of the Classic um, when I tried to play basketball in high school. But um, Bob Malloy, and I know that we're, we're kind of coming to the end of his career, and I, I, I want to keep doing that. I know I worked his last state tournament game with him. Um, and I purposely walked up to him before he tossed the ball and gave him a big hug and thanked him because, you know, the impact that he's had on my life, you know, everything I do, to be honest with you, in my life is because of, of Bob. He, he got me started in running. Um, I was like 10 years old and started taking me on runs and got me on the cross country team, got me out for track. Um, then, you know, obviously with officiating, then, then got me passionate about coaching too. So, so it's fun to go back and work with him and, and I know that, you know, he's proud of me. And um, we talked about it. He stayed with me here a couple of weeks ago. He was in Rapid City um, playing at a, a senior baseball tournament. And um, we got to spend a lot of time in. 
telling stories and um, thanking each other for everything that we've done for each other. So, so it's fun to get back to the Parks and Classic and, and, and do those things and give back to, to the game. And I know the coaches always appreciate seeing some different officials too, but um, it is, it's just, it's about the experiences. And I think we can rush through life too often and not experience some of these fun things that we get to do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really like, like I mentioned earlier, Bob is just a, a fun guy to be around, to officiate with, um, his humility, his, his wisdom, different things like that. And there was one time where, um, myself, him, and I'll just name drop another guy. Um, Shane, my goodness, I'm forgetting his name now. Wow. Gottlob. There we go. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> Shane Gottlob. Yep. We, uh, we had a game of Woolsey and, uh, you know, Bob kind of made the same sort of thing to us. He's like, I don't know if this is, is it going to be last year or not? You know, he's right out kind of that point where he's kind of right in, right out sort of thing. And, um, he's like, it was, he's like, it's a blast working with two, uh, younger, newer, uh, coming up guys that, you know, it's just really fun to be a part of that. And it's, it's one of those things where it kind of just humbles you because you're like, there's a guy that's been a really solid official in the state of South Dakota has done many state tournaments as well. And he's like giving you a bunch of uh, praise. And it's like, man, that's, it, it's, it, it kind of humbles you. Cause it's like, Hey, am I going to be someone similar to that? When I get older, am I going to be able to be a person where I, you know, who knows how long I'll be hosting something like this, but someone else might be doing a podcast and they're like, Hey, who's someone who impacted you? And am I going to be like someone on your end is going to be saying, you know, like a Bob Malloy, it's going to be like an Andrew Gross. And, and I hope, you know, I, I think you would feel the same way that we hope someone is going to be saying that about us, that we helped them along, that we brought them along and um, really made that impact for them. No. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point. I think it's, it's, what is your legacy that you leave behind? Um, you know, uh, there was a movie, uh, seven days in utopia. Um, it's about a golfer and his, his process that he went through things. But in the end, he was talking about, you know, we can talk about the scores, all the state tournaments that we've done, all this championship games. But what 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 does that say when, when you're gone? What, what's that say? And I think that's something I think about. And, you know, I hope that people say, hey, I, I was a great partner on the floor, um, a supportive partner when we, we officiated and I had an impact on them and I helped help them to enjoy it a little bit more and and make something that's hard to do a fun experience and even if we have bad experiences out there how do we work together and get through those experiences and in the end you know be happy with what we did but just you hope that you leave a good impression behind when you're gone yeah yep and that's that's my goal i know it's your goal um, and i know many people have uh, been that influence for both of us on on this road and on this journey of officiating but now switching it up a little bit, let's get to the other side where not necessarily your coaching, but maybe some memorable interactions with some coaches, whether that was an interesting play that happened and just some dialogue that happened between you two, or maybe it was maybe unrelated to the court. Maybe something happened with a, a coach that was just a, a good memory that, that you, um, you know, really took to heart. Well, uh, I have to think about that one a little bit because there are there are a bunch. Um, but I, I remember my probably with Gary Munson was my first double A game. It was a Mitchell Huron boys game. I was filling in for somebody, and uh, Gary's the one that called me, told me that I was going to be on the game. So it was kind of funny. He called me up and said, "Hey, what are you doing Friday night?" I said, "I'm off." He goes, "Well, you're refing a game." And I'm like, "Okay." I said, "I figured he's going to say hey more." 
freshman game, something like that. And he goes, no, no, you're in the varsity game. So, um, so he talked me through what, you know, when to be there and all that stuff. So, um, when I get out there in the court, he can see I, I'm nervous. So he pulls me over right away and has, has just talked with me, you know, and just say, Hey, just another game, all these different things. And, um, you know, we get started, you know, I make a call in front of him. It's not a great, he goes, Hey, move on. You know, and he supported me throughout the game. And I think people always had this vision of Gary Munson being hard on officials. He was probably one of the greatest guys to work with. Um, if he was talking to you, there was a reason for it. Um, but, you know, I, I still remember that. He helped me get through something that was pretty tough. And I, I never for, I never forget him for that. And, you know, I happened to be back there working at the Miller Classic. And he was sitting in the stand. So I sat down and talked with him for had to be almost an hour. We just talked about all all the memories of games that we worked together, um, all those different things. And it was a week later that he had passed away then. So um, somebody put me in that spot to be able to talk with him and, and relieve some of those great memories that we had from working between out here and in state tournaments probably about 20 times and um, just those experiences. But then another one would be Larry Luchens down at Custer. Um, just the conversations we had off the court about life and and truly what's important things like that um he was another one of those coaches that if he was speaking to you you, you probably missed the play because he he didn't complain no he's one of those guys that would support you again out there and you know hey that was a tough call i get it but um i, I definitely understand it but one one that really stands out to me and um i just came back to memory was um working a game at st thomas moore and uh got dave hollenbeck Play, going against Larry Luchens um, and, with Custer, and it, all the way through St. Thomas Moore had like an 80-game winning home winning streak going, and the game's going back and forth, and, and we were about five seconds left in the game. Um, a Custer kid make a drive to the basket, and I call a blocking foul. And if you know much about St. Thomas Moore, they're famous for taking charges. Um, they work on that over and over and over again. And um, Dave Hollenbeck did not like my blocking call. The Custer kid to the line for two. He's out of timeouts. Um, it was a tied game at the point. And I go over there to report the foul. And I said, Coach Hollenbeck, give me a second. Let me report the foul. Then I'll come talk to you. He yells and screams at me and tells me I lost the game for him and, and goes all up and down on me. And, you know, part of me says I should tee him. But I'm like, it, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't have any impact. So um, they inbound the ball. They miss the shot. They lose. Um, the next morning I'm in the grocery store and guess who I run into right away? Dave Hollenbeck. Um, he comes walking down the aisle right at me. I'm like, God, I can't hide from him. He's already seen me. Um, he comes up, he goes, Hey, that was a great call. And he goes, I appreciate you, how you handled yourself. It'd been easy to team me up. I was trying to get a T and, and in the end it, it just made the situation worse. Um, after that, it was just so much easier to work with him because I gained his respect. And um, those when we talk about that play still to this day, and that was in I think probably 2008 or 2009 in that time, so it's a long time ago. But it's still a play that he and I talk about um, when we see each other, stuff like that. But you know, it's just how we handle those situations, and they're tough, you know, because but if we can stay calm and, and figure that out, you know, they appreciate it. So that gives you credit later down the road. So um, I mean, I could keep telling stories like that too, but. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of those good ones out there, you know, and everybody asks about the bad ones. You know, there's always those bad things that happen, but there's so many things that if you step back and look that outweigh 
the, that one fan that yells at you or that one the coach or a player. Those things happen. And if we remember a lot of times they're yelling at the shirt, they're not really yelling at you. Um, that helps out a lot of times. So that's that's something I tell myself. I might be wrong in that, that they're truly yelling at me, but I always say they're yelling at the shirt. Yeah, I, I tend to tell my mom that when they're yelling, I uh, just translate that in my head that, Andrew, you're doing such a great job. Good job, Andrew. And uh, it's it, I don't really do that, but I, I think it puts some people at ease, like my, my wife as well. And like you mentioned, I, I don't know how much my wife likes me being yelled at, especially when she's in the in the stands there but uh, no it's just yeah it's good to be able to like like you said realize that it's more the shirt or the call that they're yelling about versus the person they're yelling at Um, but speaking of fouls or calls or blocks or charges not necessarily those but are there is there a rule um, that you were glad was added to the officiating world since you've been a part of it you know, I think the thing that we talk about is when we added that warning for coaches, I think it's it's a great tool, and we talk about it out here a lot, but it's a tool that they gave us to tell a coach, this is my line. You're up to it now. Um, please don't cross it. Um, I, I love that we've done that, um, but I, I think the game is constantly evolving, and I think we're always looking at that, but I, I like that we are looking at things to, to help, you know, like adding the shot clock. Uh, the I didn't work the state championship game, but I was there. It was a class B boys state tournament up in Aberdeen. And it was Parker playing. I can't remember who they're playing. And I can't remember which team ended up holding the ball for like the last three minutes of regulation. Missed the shot. They go to overtime. They get the rebound or they get the, the tip on the, the jump for the first overtime, hold the ball the whole four minutes, miss the shot. In the second overtime, uh, the other team gets the tip, scores right away. They come down, hold the ball the whole way, miss the shot, game's over. Um, you know, that's not basketball. Um, I've been a part of a game where they held the ball for five minutes standing at the top court because the team had a tough game the night before and coaches were fighting. And it's not a fun experience on those. So I love that we brought the shot clock in. The game brings more action. Um, I, I've liked that. It, it's made it a little bit more exciting to me. But um, overall, I, I think that we're making good rule changes to really make the game more exciting and, and help the kids. But th- there's always a few rules that are, are frustrating. You know, obviously the uniform stuff just drives us nuts. It's way worse in football than it is in um, basketball. But um, those things kind of and wish we could come up with a better system. But again, that that's our job. And, you know, I mean, I think that's the NCAA is hammering that home is we don't get to make those decisions. Somebody else is writing the rules, but we're there to enforce them. And we got to have the integrity to enforce the rules as written. And I think that that's a hard thing to do because we do have these biases. And, ooh, was that, you know, that's a light foul. Is, is it going to interrupt the game? Or, you know, did they, you know, you got that shot clock violation, but did they have the ball or didn't they have the ball? Do we want to take away something like that? I think if we, we stick to those rules and, and just adjudicate them the way they're supposed to be, it makes our job easier and the coaches appreciate it in the end. But yeah, I mean, I, I think those things um, with the rules. Yeah, and I think when, as officials, when we officiate the rules as they are written and as they want us to do it, then the the committees and people that decide these rules can be like, hey, that was actually a good one, that was not a good one. When we kind of are wishy-washy mm-hmm. in that, you know, then it kind of 
They're like, well, that might have worked if everyone would have called it that way. And and so I think it's good when officials kind of band together when they, as as the NCAA men say, they ride for the brand and they and they call the rules as they're written. Then we can um, decide is that a good rule? Is it not? I I want to go back a little bit because I think the game you're talking about it may or may not have been, but um, I'll, I'll claim some of this. My, uh, my hometown or my home high school, I guess Hanson. They did this in the Class B uh, tournament. They got the tip in overtime. They held the ball the whole overtime, made the shot, went to the championship game, ended up winning the championship game. So I, I think it may have been that one, but I don't exactly remember I who. I think that's right, but yeah. I just remember being sat there in the stands and going like, ooh, this sucks. This is not a, this is not a good look. Yeah. And I remember, um, I wanted to say, uh, was, Joe Alk was up there with us, and, and I just remember talking with her after the games, like, we got to do something different. Because it, it just it wasn't a good look, I don't think, um, because in the end, just how everything played out, and and it, it, w- it was a tough one. So, I mean, so it's been kind of fun to see that we, we switched those things. But, um, no, it's, it's, there's a lot of good things happening in basketball. Yeah, and, I, and again, I've said this many times as I'm interviewing coaches and officials. I, I think our state association does a great job of, trying to do things that help not only officials, but also uh, the, the student athletes in our state to, to play better, to have um, a good time while they're playing, good gamesmanship for the coaches, everything like that. I think our state association does an awesome job of, of all that stuff. So, um, and and I, I don't know if they spearhead a lot, but I think a lot of times state associations can spearhead things towards the NFHS board as a whole. Um, and, and I feel like our state has a good connection with NFHS and, and spearheads a lot of things. And so I, I don't know, kudos to, to, um, SDHSAA. I guess I got that right here on my shirt. I don't know if I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> we'll see what they, what they say about that. But, um, yeah, I, I just really appreciate our, our entire state association and what they do for student athletes, for our officials, and um, even every region coordinator as well. Like they, they work tirelessly. They're, they're officials. They have jobs, but they work tirelessly to, to make sure everything is going as smooth as possible in, in our state. But along with that, you kind of touched on maybe like some dress, some decor issues that we have that you're like, ah, it stinks. We got to enforce this stuff. We got to be the fashion police, as some people say. But is there is there other rules that you you see and you're like, Man, I'm not really sure that I I like this one, and not necessarily that you're not calling. You're just like, I really don't enjoy this rule. Um, some officials have said like, I don't like the five second while dribbling count. You know, I gotta I gotta officiate 45 feet away while the person's dribbling, and I'm not supposed to pass that off. Like, I don't really enjoy that one. I hope I didn't just take yours, but is there one that you're no. or two or three or something that you're like, man, I really just kind of don't like that rule and I wish it would be edited or modified maybe. You know, off at hand, I'm just trying to think there, there's a few things that always bug you. And I'm just trying to remember what they are. Like in the moment you're like, ah, I can't believe I have to make this call right now. Um, but you know, it's sometimes like that, that hand check that you're at the other end of the court and you're like, okay, I know I got to call this is in front of the coach. Um, and I got to get it, but it has impact. But if I don't get it, everybody sees it. And, um, that, and that, then you get yelled at, where's the consistency? Um, I'm just trying to think, I just, we, we changed a lot of things lately that I, you know, that I've liked. I mean, one thing I'd like to see come in is 
and I don't know if our shot clock operators are ready for this, but bringing that 20-second clock on an offensive rebound Mm -hmm. or stuff like that to speed up the game a little bit. Um, I've loved that in the the college game. Um, One thing that I would love to see come into the high school game is in that last minute of the game where they take a timeout, they can advance into the front court. Um, That makes college basketball really exciting. Um, And that team is down and – you know, they're getting that, and they it saves time and it, the game a little bit, but it, it makes them pretty exciting. I, I've had the opportunity to be a part of a lot of really good college games that um, I had. I got to work number four versus five in JUCO, um, and it it was a double overtime game, and those those being able to advance had major impacts on the game and allowed them to go to that, that first overtime, the next overtime with not a lot of time, and... I think it brings in a lot more excitement, but then the coaches got to decide, do I want to use my timeout? Do I not want to use it um, earlier in the game? So I, I think it brings in another layer um, into that. And and I know right now there's, there's a lot of coaches that are concerned about us not having a one-on-one anymore. But, uh, you know, the college coaches kind of complained at the beginning to inside, but, you know, now they don't even talk about it. It's just part of what it is. Um, you know, it, it actually has lowered foul counts down. We've had less fouls in the NCAA. Um, they've had less ma- major E injuries because of it, because on the rebounding action, all the major collisions that have happened. So I think in the end, the coaches will adapt and be fine with. And I think that's a great rule change, actually, in resetting, because I, I know one team, and I won't give out their names, they're horrible in the first quarter. They foul constantly. And the coach gets so frustrated because now in the second quarter, they have two or three fouls, nothing crazy, but they're in the double bonus, you know, really quickly. And that other team's gaining that advantage. So, so I know that he was excited that it resets every quarter because for some reason they never come out of the locker room very well, but though in the next three quarters, it, it's fun to watch them. But I think that, you know, people hate change. And I think that's the big thing. We, we had quite a bit of change, um, but a lot of good change this year. So I, I think, um, people will adapt and you just you just learn from those things that you know just get us thinking a little bit more because you know the first time that you're gonna step in there you're gonna go one and one and you have to re- reset yourself and go no oh, two shots but um just but there's not you know i think they like i said that got rid of most of the ones that i hated so <laughs> they kind of disappeared yeah uh, it's i think there's been in my i think i don't even know what year this is 10 maybe 11 like there's been so many rule changes or changes in the game for the 10 years I've been in. I, I mean, compared to, in my opinion, like the 20 years prior, I don't know if that's true or not, but it Ooh. seems like there's been a lot of modifications in the past, um, you know, couple of years, but I, I think it's going to be funny. You're going to see the first, that first free throw, they're going to go one and one, and then they're going to miss, they're going to get a rebound. You're like, Oh wait. And you start blowing whistles. Okay. we got a second shot coming up here. And so, uh, that's, well, it's, it, yeah. We, we did it in summer league this summer and parents were freaking out because there was only five fouls. This is the new rule, two shots. And they go, what two shots should be one or one. And, uh, I mean, the parents were losing their minds and that's, what's going to happen is we're going to have a parent down the floor just telling us that we're wrong. And, and you turn around and like, Hey, rules have changed. Um, we just got to adapt with the times. Yep. Uh, so it, it is, but you know, the, the, well, this has become normal for us. It's, we, we, we go through this all the time, but I, you know, my first probably 10 years officiating, we didn't have a lot of rules changes. But I would definitely say in the last, you know, 13, 14 years, the game is truly involved. We're, 
we're starting to look at other ones. If you really look at it, NBA, women's basketball, and high school basketball actually align pretty closely yeah. in positioning, rules, mechanics, all those things. There's a few look, but I think that's what the NFHS is doing is they're looking at these other places that are spending millions of dollars to understand officiating and how do we change things to make the game better, and we're using those things. So I think that's what's going to make the game even better and a better experience for the kids. Because that's in the end, it's it's experience for the kids. It, it's not about us. It's not about the coaches. It's are we giving the kids the best? Because um, th- that's what they're going to talk about. You know, I, I talk with kids all the time. Um, you know, I've been blessed as a coach to win some titles and have a lot of really good athletes. But we never talk about those. We talk about all the funny little experiences that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's what it is. I think that's what we have to get back as an association like in the black hills or even a state association even is let's not forget about the kids here and make sure that we're doing everything we can to make these a great experience and everybody has to take a step back and understand that people are going to make mistakes coaches are going to make mistakes players are going to make mistakes and obviously we make mistakes and if we're all a little more patient with those things i think again that's going to be a great experience for the kids and they'll they'll have great memory of their athletic career yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I got to ask a question to you. Uh, say Andrew Gross walks onto the basketball court 10 years ago. You're a clinician uh, for a newer official. What's the, what's the, the, the advice you're giving me? What's the advice you're giving that newer official? They walk on the court today. You're a clinician. What's the advice you're giving to them? The first place I start, to be honest with you, is know the definitions in the rule book um because i think that's our that's our backbone if we know definitions then the rest of the rule book's super easy um so i tell guys you know that's the first place you guys need to start that. and then obviously the mechanics book um getting in that and understanding you know just the general where do i stand things like that but i, I so many times that people aren't true to themselves and i think that's where as an official you can get yourself in a bad spot you try to be somebody else that you're not. Um, I mean, I know who I am as a person now, and I, I'm fully confident in myself, and I'm not afraid to show who I am. I used to be afraid to smile on the court. That's a big part of who I am. I, I love to smile. I love to show them why I'm out there because it is fun, and I, I remind kids, this this is supposed to be fun. Um, so so I, I tell people, don't lose sight of that. I, I was on a call last night Armac, um, with the new officials, and I think that's the big thing that I talked about when they asked me to talk for a moment was I said, don't forget who you are, because that's why we hired you. Um, it was because of who you are. You're a good person. You know how to um, and, and be that person. So don't try to be somebody else. Like I said, I can't be a Jeff Schroeder and Jeff Schroeder can't be me. Um, and we both know that. But, you know, he stays true to himself and I stay true to myself. And um, the coaches appreciate that. And the fans do, too. And obviously the kids do, but I think those are the things and um, just move on. You're going to make, um, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I think that's, that's what we talked about last night with the new officials is you're going to make mistakes. You're better off blowing your whistle and mistake make than not blowing your whistle and making a mistake because you can learn from that stuff. Um, uh, uh, it's better to have a bad call than a bad no call um, is the point that was made last night. So I, I think those things are important because that's how we learn. We get, we got to make mistakes and we definitely got to learn from those mistakes. So I, I think those are kind of things that I sat down and talk with the, the newer official, that young official about. 
Awesome. Thank you, Royce, uh, for joining me this evening. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time and coming out this evening. No, I appreciate you doing this, Andrew. It's I think it's a great thing, and it's just always fun to talk about a fish. I've enjoyed how our friendship is, is slowly growing, and, and we're getting to know each other more, so I appreciate what you do. Yeah, awesome. I, I, I feel the same way. Thanks, Royce. Uh, this has been the Irenic Ref Podcast. I'm Andrew Gross, and we'll see you all next time.